Hello and welcome to the Slot Plus segment of the Slate Culture Gabfest. If you are listening to this, that means you're a plus member and a supporter of Slate and the journalism that we do. Thank you so much. There has been a lot of journalism to do lately. My goodness, we have been busy. So thank you again for making that work possible and for listening to this segment. Today we're going to talk about advice. Uh, what is the best piece of advice we've ever gotten or given? And do we believe in the concept of advice generally? Advice, a smorgasbord. Welcome to our segment. Uh, Steve, what is the best piece of advice you... I'll do a couple of stabs at this. First, let's do, what is a piece of advice that you have given more than once? Like, do you have any go-to pieces of advice that you frequently give, like, particularly maybe in a professional context, like to the kind of people who say, Dana, I want to be a film critic, or Steve, I want to learn to write with incredible erudition. Like, what, 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 what is the, re- the recurring go-to? It could also be about corkscrews. Oh, gosh. See, this is this is going to be a tough subject for me because I think that I really avoid giving advice. Now that I started thinking about it, I was trying to think if I had go-to advice that I gave or that I asked for. And uh, and I think that maybe part of my general avoidance or fear of expertise also extends to advice. Somehow the idea of wielding one's knowledge over someone else and having you one read fix. any particular books or do anything specific. <laughs> we will not think, commit. I mean, I think when a younger person comes to me, as has happened, and wants to have coffee and pick my brain about how to become a film critic or something like that, my response basically boils down to you do you. You know, I think I try to do a Dwayne the Rock Johnson and listen and remember things about their life and then bounce it back in a way that would help them. But the idea of there being a single fits everybody piece of advice is kind of tough. I mean, it's such an obvious one, but I guess one thing that I would say is find a way to write all the time. And, uh, you know, if you're not a professional writer yet, then start a blog or keep a journal if you think you're actually going to keep a journal. But, you know, trying to have some kind of online presence or a place that you return and write and practice writing over and over again. But who wouldn't give that piece of advice? There's nothing specific to me about it. Mm, I like that, Dana. I like you, you do you. I mean, that's the, it's like, there are all these things you can say to someone that you believe are true, but are they in any way actionable, right? It's like telling a pitcher to throw strikes, right? Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I guess what I would say is the best piece of advice I ever got was two professors as an undergraduate, uh, when I was an undergraduate, told me not to go to graduate school. And I blew right past the uh, the yellow light um, that they were giving me. And, and you know, I think they were, uh, that was more specific to the, I mean, they understood that the profession was shifting and dwindling and that the job market was going to be terrible. And they were sort of saying, well, why would you bother going, getting a five to seven year, you know, degree and only to discover that the market is going to, you know, job market is going to be worse or whatever. And I I wish I had heeded that advice, but I didn't. And so there you go. But uh, in terms of advice giving in general, I mean, I guess that, I guess really wasn't the wisest thing about advice giving the wisest piece of advice ever was don't give advice. And Shakespeare gave it to us implicitly in the Polonius speeches in Hamlet, where he's just this sententious old gas bag who has no wisdom to impart to anybody, but assumes that he does. And you're sort of inevitably, you know, you're, you're, you're very likely to fall into that trap anytime you try to give advice. And by the way, also it's liable to backfire. I mean, what, given the, you know, dynamic contingencies of life uh how the fuck do you know what anybody should do at any given moment you're you know you're liable to tell someone to do something and they fucking go do it and it backfires and they're gonna be like that fucking asshole you know played an integral part in ruining my life thanks a lot 
you guys are being so timid about advice. It is well, making I mean, me want to stand up for the act of advice giving. <laughs> well, I will Although say I that, came into this with like no particular valence at all. I mean, I do, I do believe in sharing wisdom and asking people for their their thoughts on things. I guess it's more the idea that there is this standard piece of advice that you go around getting out of your briefcase and handing to everyone like a business card that that somehow turns me off. It just seems, for example. Every time someone is having a problem with their girlfriend or boyfriend, is your advice dump him or stay with him, right? It obviously is incredibly specific to right. that person's situation. Yeah. I I have a few thoughts and advice. First, professional advice. There are two pieces of advice, one that was given to me as a young person trying to break into this business and another which I yearn to give to the world and will give on this podcast. The first is when you're being interviewed for a job, if you get a question that you're not certain of the answer to – pause and think about it and then start to answer and make sure that all of your answers to questions in in the interview conclude. Like the power of being comfortable with silence in an interview is not to be underestimated. Like if you feel comfortable in your own skin, just pausing a moment and then giving a thoughtful answer. And then also if your thoughtful answer can like conclude as though you intended it to conclude and not just trail off and maybe I and also about mm-hmm. well and you know, um, you will just seem super fucking composed. And that was good advice. And I give that advice sometimes to people who are just beginning to go out on the job market. Yeah, that's useful not only in job interviews, but in conversation, right? I mean, just not to get ahead of yourself and start saying sentences before you have any idea where they will go. Just being comfortable in silence. That's good. Um, a piece of advice I would give to people who have to write cover letters. I love cover letters as a way to assess job applicants. I think they are perhaps more pertinent to the work we do at Slate because a cover letter should be, in my view, an argument. It should not be like a list of things you've done and then a nice sentence about the place you're applying to. And then uh, I would please love the opportunity to speak more in person. Like an effective cover letter should make an argument for why the set of experiences you've had up to this point in your career make you the perfect candidate for the job as you understand it and make you think that your skills could help bring the place to a new level in terms of whatever it seems to be trying to do. It should reveal both an understanding of the mission of the place you're applying to work at and uh, a, a set of beliefs about how what you are good at would help that place achieve its goals. And people don't understand that. And they do not write cover letters as though they are arguments being made about their past and the future of the organization and how it would be a brighter future if you brought those things together. Um, So I do find that sometimes people get stuck in those writing exercises because they feel like they're just praising themselves. But if you think of it as making an argument, that can be helpful, I think. Um, So those are two pieces of professional advice. More on the side of anti-adviceness, I will relate something that I may have related on the podcast before, but which is something that I learned early in life, which is that when you are giving romantic advice to your friends, uh, mm-hmm. do... I see where this is going and I totally fucking agree. And by I have the no way, idea where it's going and how do you know? Do No, it's not. I'm not sure it's going where you think it's going, Steve. Uh, do not egg them on. Like, do not yeah. assume that the yeah. that the sign- potential significant others in your friends' lives love them as much as you do. Uh, and my friends and I came up with a term for this, or not came up with, but repurposed an old-fashioned word, uh, hornswoggling. Don't hornswoggle your friends. You are hornswoggling your friends when you encourage them to overinterpret the text or assume like, oh, he's probably going to break up with her any minute and you guys are destined to be and together. And you're enabling their obsession. Yes. Do not enable a, a okay. doomed crush. Don't I was not where I thought you were going. I thought where you were going, which is, and this shows the generational or the age difference between us a little bit, is don't double down on someone's negative feelings as they express them to you 
if they are in a troubled relationship, because then if it doesn't end up, if it doesn't end in divorce or a breakup, you become associated with those negative feelings, almost as if you were the fucking origin of them. And in fact, you end up being the one who's exiled. Now, this has never, to my knowledge, this has never happened to me, but it's happened to two very close friends of mine. I've seen, I've seen relationships split apart because of this. So there's a kind of helpful, supportive poker face, I think, that you need to put on if someone's asking you whether or not to marry someone or, or divorce them. Yes. Do not overcommit to the negativity about the other. <laughs> it's it's like don't it's the same it's the it's the inverse hornswoggle. Don't overcommit to the <laughs> the p- hypothetical positivity or the actual negativity. <laughs> then, but so then then you do and you see the, the uselessness of advice in a way in that circumstance, right? When your friend is has really fallen for someone, there's really nothing you can do except be neutral and supportive that's helpful. Yeah, but neutral and supportive is, you know, there's there's plenty of tactical advice about, you know, how to ask this or that thing. And I, I don't know. I, I, in general, believe that it is good when people reach out to people they love and trust for counsel. Maybe maybe that's a, a less loaded word for, hey, I'm facing this situation. What do you think? I How do you think I should handle it? Like that's uh, those are right. I've, I've right. have enjoyed being on. The receiving and giving ends of conversations like that, I think, productively with oh, lots yeah, of people I that, that I love. Yeah, but that's a huge distinction, though, right? Because the, 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 about the worst thing you can do in that situation is give advice. What you really want to do is be a little bit of a blank screen or or a vacuum into which things that are burdensomely inside the person you're talking to are allowed to come out into the surface and whatever and get expressed. And then sympathy, a degree of like, you know, real sympathy, right? That you've actually heard it and you understand that it is a dilemma or, you know, a painful uh, situation to be in. And then maybe at the tail end, something more, more kind of affirmatively generated, but that is the, that is the trickiest part of it. And I think the least important part of it, right? So advice really is kind of, eh. I don't know, almost an afterthought. I, I mean, think we're right. We are sort of having a semantic fight. If you think of or disagreement, if you think of advice as like, here's what you got to do. I agree. Often in those situations, what you are actually striving to provide is, oh, wow, I understand why you have a complicated set of feelings about it. Here are maybe a few other ways to think about what's happening or why you might be feeling that way uh, that might help illuminate your thoughts on what you want to do next. Like that's the, when I think about the conversations I've had with people that those are useful. I should say that's though, more counsel. That's like your, your consigliere, right? That's your Stevie Van Zant sitting down with you and just talking <laughs> it through. Yeah. But I guess that's like, I'm pro that I'm against all purpose aphorisms, but I do wish people would write better cover letters. I guess that's my, that's my <laughs> takeaway. And then the only other thing I would say is um, like, I feel like I should stipulate in a slate plus segment on advice that I, my marriage and my relationship with my beloved husband sort of originate from the fact that on one of our very first dates, we were at a group dinner with some of his friends and one of his friends was, had like a crush on a coworker who had a girlfriend and was relating some charged incident in an elevator that made her think maybe, just maybe something, something, something. And my husband shot it down in the most swift but loving way and was just like, nope. That's not a good guy. That's not the right guy for you. Any guy who's dallying and and leading you on while he's in the middle of another relationship, like, nope, nope, nope. And his, um, in general, I think my husband gives very good advice. But seeing him in this moment of, like, 
loving, tough love with a good friend of his was very appealing to me. Oh, yeah. That's that's a good moral compass revealer right there off the bat. I mean, I think you can start to see a little bit more my, not anti-advice, but my uneasiness about the category of advice if you switch from the realm of romance or professional advice to parenting advice. I mean, mm-hmm. who really wants parenting advice, right? I mean, except maybe from a wise book that you're reading or some sort of your pediatrician maybe or something like that. But can you think of any family or friend that you really want to come in and tell you this is how you should be raising your child? The only piece of parenting advice I ever, ever give, including ugh, ever telling anyone who doesn't have children that they should have children, that to me is, is an abomination. That's like trying to change someone's sexual orientation or their religion or something. That's horrible. But that's not really advice. That's proselytizing. Um but the only piece of parenting advice I ever give, and if anyone who is listening who's expecting a baby, I'm giving it to them right now, is that on your car ride to the hospital or wherever you're going to have your baby, take a couple plastic bags and have them accessible so you can throw up in the car without messing it up. <laughs> I've given that advice to everyone I've known who's been pregnant, and I've often heard that it came in very handy in saving various cabs and car seats. <laughs> well, that's our one universal. For <laughs> Barf bag on the way to birthin. Bring a couple plastic bags. Bags with you. Thank you so much for listening to the Slate Plus segment of the Slate Culture Gab Fest and for being a member of Slate Plus and supporting the journalism that we do. Did we pause to note the irony that every week when we give endorsements, we are in some way or other giving advice about what people should go do, <laughs> see, read, or listen to? No, we did not. See you next week. <laughs>